Hello and welcome. This is the Filmmakers Podcast. It's a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie films to studio films and everything in between, how to make them, how to get them made, how to try not to F it up, in a very, very humble opinion. Welcome to the show. I am Giles Alderson. I'm a screenwriter and director and a producer and recently... I got some exciting news about The Dare, and I couldn't share it with you last week because it hadn't been announced, but now it has been announced, and I'm delighted to tell you that our first official screening, our world premiere, if you like, will be at the Popcorn Frights Film Festival in Miami at Fort Lauderdale on August the 9th. If you're anywhere near there, come down, come say hello, and you'll be the first people to see The Dare in its current form. <laughs> Uh, I'm over the moon, it's just great. What it means is, it just kicks everyone up the arse to get it finally finished, to get it out there and to get it done and released to the world, to the general public and to you lovely, lovely people. So yeah, it started, the journey has started, the festival run has started. I will give you more news as I've got it. But yeah, I'm excited. If you've seen by our Twitter this week, at Charles Olson or at Filmmakers Pod, you'll have seen the Joyce. Uh, that has come from that. More news this week, but not just on The Dare. On A Serial Killer's Guide to Life as well. It's a big, big week, uh, or weeks coming up, which is amazing. Enough about me for now. Um, keep listening and you can grab a copy of Shoplister, which is the app for filmmakers writing shoplists on an app, and it's amazing. You can get it for free. No catches. Keep listening and you will find out. Uh, today's podcast is with the team behind Lancaster Skies. We've got Callum Byrne, the director. We've got Andy Byrne, the producer, Sam Parsons, DOP, and actor Chris Sadler. Uh, he set this up. He's a brilliant guy. And he said, you need to speak to the Lancaster Guys team. So we did. So we talk how you can make a low-budget World War film with fighter bombers, air battles, and all in a period setting. Um, We discuss how they wrote it all together, how you can work as a father-son team, because Callum and Andy are son and father, um, how they raised the finance, how they packaged the film, and how they got it released and out for all to see when they didn't expect it at all. It's a classic podcast, so much fun, so much joy, and you will learn loads. Speaking of learning loads, the Make Your Film event is on July the 9th. That's literally a week today. It's sponsored by Performance Insurance, with a fantastic insurance company. I've been with them for years, and they provide amazing insurance for short film or long-term filming. Get involved. Uh, the link is in the show notes. So we have our second guest who's joining James Kent. Obviously, you know James Kent directed The Aftermath with Kira Knightley. Well, our second guest is Andy Patterson. Oh, yeah. Um, you might know him from producing the fantastic film Girl with a Pearl Earring, starring Scarlett Johansson and Colin Firth. And more recently, The Railway Man, which he produced and wrote. And that starred Jeremy Irvin, Nicole Kidman, Stellan Skarsgård and Colin Firth again. So why don't you come down and network till your heart's content with some amazing producers, writers, directors, some upcoming, some amazing, some produced many, many films, directed many, many films. That is next Tuesday, the 9th of July. Tickets are selling fast. Get them. Link is in the show notes. I'll see you down there. If you've been there before, you know what it's like. I've got a new venue this time, so there's a bar. There's going to be lots of fun networking afterwards as well. Tickets are on sale. Um, they're in the show notes. Get on it. So... This podcast is brought to you by Screencraft. Screenwriters out there, if you've not been 
to check out ScreenCraft yet. If you've not been to check out what they're about, you're crazy. Screenwriters out there. If you're writing a drama screenplay right now, you will want to know about ScreenCraft's drama screenplay competition, which is open now to feature film screenplays. I know loads of screenwriters out there have a drama in their back pocket. We've all got it. So why not apply? Why not send it into ScreenCraft's drama screenplay competition? Because this year's industry jury includes execs from Fox, Search, like Paramount and LBI Entertainment. So... You've got nothing to lose because the past winners have gone on to sign major agency deals with management companies and have been hired to write for studios and sold screenplays to producers. So get your feature screenplay in um, by Wednesday, day, August the 31st. So get writing it if you haven't. Get tweaking it if you haven't looked at it for a while. Get involved with your screenwriting career. Get it going. Learn more at screencraft.org. Go there. Click the link. If you haven't already, go check out what they're about. Support them and support us at the same time. Talking of screenwriting, uh, we have 20% off for those screenwriters out there uh, at the Raindance Script Coach. You can get 20% off with us. Uh, we're booking with a discount code PODCAST20. So, uh, screenwriters, um, you've obviously been told to obey the template and follow the formula. Well, what if instead you could learn how to write the script that only you can write? A unique script that will stand out. And you can put it in the ScreenCraft Screenplays competition as well. Um, and who wouldn't want to spend five evenings with a script coach? That's right. And our friends at Raindance are giving you the unique opportunity to spend five Monday evenings with one of the most seasoned and experienced screenwriters living in Europe. Jürgen Wolf. That is right. And he will help you. It starts on Monday the 22nd of July at 6.30. The Raindance hates Q. You can get 20% off that. Link's in the show notes. It's called The Script Coach. Um, Normally, it's quite a bit, but you can go there for £170. You can also use the same discount code to book individual classes if you don't do the whole course. Yeah? Sound good? Is that enough of us giving you free discounts and stuff? No. No, it's not. Because you can get your free copy of Shotlister. There's no catch. Keep listening to find out more. We're so good to you. Aren't we good to you? Aren't we good to get all those discounts and little offers and stuff? Yeah, yeah. That's us doing that for you because you're loyal and you listen to this and you pass this on to your friends and you tell them that this podcast is a brilliant podcast (laughs) to help filmmakers, indie filmmakers out there carry on making their films and inspire them. That's what we aim to do. And if you believe that and you have been passing that message on, you're amazing. If you haven't yet, please do. It means the world to us. It's just me most of the time. Robbie McCain's an amazing producer, editor. He helps me out, and obviously the team do too. But it's just us doing this on our own. The podcast is free and always will be. So, I shouldn't say always will be. You never know. One day you might have to pay for this. (laughs) But anyway, it's free now. Anything for free is amazing. So never complain. Please don't complain. Uh, if you do like this, do us a favour, give us a five-star review on iTunes and subscribe to us on Podbean. We are on Podfix Network and the Britpod scene as well. Wherever you get your podcasts, you will find us. Okay, let's get to today's podcast with the fantastic team behind Lancaster Skies. You can learn about how to make a period drama, how to make fighter planes, how they did it. How they did it on such a tiny budget. It's a great podcast. Enjoy. Carry on making your films. I will see you next Tuesday to make your film event. Get your tickets, get your tickets. Do it now. You can do it as you're listening to this and I'll see you down there and come say hello. Do it, come say hello and meet some amazing people and I'll introduce you to people as well. 
promise you that. Okay, uh, I've rattled on enough. I want you to listen to this. Enjoy this week's Filmmakers Podcast. Absolute delight to welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast the team behind Lancaster Skies. We've got Callum Byrne, we've got Andrew Byrne, and we've got Sam Parsons. And joining us as well is actor Chris Sadler, who stars in the movie, but is also um, starring in many other movies as well. Welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast, boys. Hello. 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 How are you doing? Yeah, good. good. Very good, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Feeling good. You've travelled down from Lincolnshire. Yeah. I used to live in Spalding. So how did you start then? Why did you want to become filmmakers in the first place? Callum, start with you. Uh, Well, I can't remember when I haven't been interested. Callum's one of the really annoying people who, like Spielberg and all these other, like, big directors who start making films when they're, like, two or something ridiculous. (laughs) One of those. Callum is actually like, oh, yeah, well, I've made films since I was five or whatever. Did you borrow your dad's cine camera or something? Yeah, well, I borrowed his, like, tape old tape camcorder oh nice broke right. one of course from doing stop animation with lego as everyone did not everyone, no, no, not uh, everyone. that's my point <laughs> um <laughs> yeah made uh, and then made like silly like videos with my cousins like when they're over christmas or whatever it was called like the clip show or something crazy it was like versions of tv programs that yeah. we'd make wear silly hats and whatever um <laughs> and then went to college and started making then i made short films basically then i was working at uh a retail in retail and then i'd use that money to make short films so i made about 12 short films when i was at college and then went to film school so i've kind of always been i never kind of thought oh i'm going to do this as a job until i got to college or sixth form before that it was then it was just oh yeah i'll just play with some lego and do some animations or run around with a camera with my cousins yeah so you thought it was a hobby you thought it was just something you do in your spare time yeah. Um, were you thinking at that point, there's something else I can do, a different job, or, you know, in that sense? Uh, I was into acting for a while, and I uh-huh. thought, when I was at uh, secondary school, I thought, okay, I'll go into acting. I looked at some uh, uh, drama schools, and then I so said, when I got to, went, went to college, it kind of all changed that. I, t- I started media, and I kind of went, oh, actually, I could do this as a living instead. Mm. And uh, didn't fall out of love with acting, but it's just, I, I said, film grew on me more. I said, because I've probably been doing it since such a young age. Yeah. It just grew and grew. I agree. I think it's one of those things that if someone goes, I'm going to be a director as a kid. It's like, how do you even do that? How do you start? Yeah, it's just completely alien to it me. Gives I didn't you even a think job. it was a no. thing that you could do. No, no, it's so true. And Chris, what about you? Because you start, obviously came to the acting world. From that side, was there anyone around that world who was like, oh, no, no, I'm going to be a director when you were a kid? Or what did you... No, no, not at all. No, I just come from a family of seven brothers and sisters. So, seven? Yeah, I guess I didn't get enough attention. So wow. That's probably, that probably sums up a lot. <laughs> with, uh, no, I just, um, I've, again, similarly, loved films, was always watching films as a kid and would spend my hours doing that in front of the TV rather than, I'd love playing sports and things, but if it wasn't for that, that's what I'd like to be doing. So I guess it's just how that was made and wanted to be involved in that world. Yeah, and you went to drama school. Right? Yeah, yeah, we did go to drama school. Yeah, I did that for three years, which is was super cool. Um, loved it. I would definitely say to people looking to do that that it's not the only avenue. And I definitely think in this day and age, I would say I would advocately I think that's the right word say go out and make films, be with people, learn in other courses. There's loads of things that you can do other than just go to drama school. I don't think it's that way mm-hmm. anymore, actually. And I think it took me three years to get over drama school. When I left, not in a negative way, just in a to find who I was again, because you kind of get transformed into how you're meant to behave. Yeah, I know. And you kind of lose, and you go to auditions, they're like, where are you from? And you're like, oh, basically from 
Bromley Croydon and then they're like well be like that then don't be don't be RP and this actor nice. thing yes. yeah so, yeah, yeah, it can get beaten out of you, I think, at drama schools and at film schools sometimes as well. That whole, this is how you should behave, this is how you should be. But yet, sometimes the most rawest form is just the best. Like the first yeah. ever thing we made when you were making it as a kid, is, it might be one of the most free you were as a filmmaker. And when you first started acting, or however it was, you, the first things you made, it was like, well, this is what, it's just alive. Because you're not worrying about the whole process and the money and the situation. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You're just getting on with it, something you love to do. Uh, and what about yourself? Is it something you fell in love with at a young age? No. So I'm basically the complete opposite. So I didn't, I loved film and I loved watching films and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't expect that that was something that you could do for a job. Yeah. So I was studying um, geography at Loughborough Uni. Genius. Uh, yeah, which is like a um, wow. big regret. I think of mine. geography was one of the things that everyone just hated at school, right? I mean, there's yeah, not many people I know reason, where geography. For some reason, I was quite good at it. And so I went to Loughborough, I studied geography, I was playing sport and doing all this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And I ended up absolutely hating the course. Mm, wow. Not because the course was bad, but just because that actually I fell out of whatever love I had for geography, which is a weird sentence I never thought I'd say. Um, That's the quote, isn't it, yeah. for the poster this um, week? I fell out of love with yeah, geography. So I basically joined the student television station um, oh. in my second year yeah. uh, and started, basically they were like, have a camera, go out and film nights out, like we do these sorts of uh, charity things and, you know, all those kind of um, university-run Events. Uh, Events, yeah, yeah, exactly. And just go cover it, film something. There's no, like, rules or anything like that. Just go and get and capture stuff. Yeah. So it was really freeing because you literally just walk out and be like, okay, I don't really Mm. know what I'm doing, but I've got to come back to something. Loads of crash zooms in Dutch Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You find yourself just filming really boring stuff and then going, actually, I can just do whatever I want. So I'm going to put the camera on the floor and have people walk past it this way and, you know loads of different things so i kind of fell in love with the process of um filming how did you know i mean essentially where the record button is but in terms of you know making it look right making that well, honestly shot I, speed I right i didn't know i it still doesn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is debatable well, maybe that's the free um, part of it you know what i mean well, it's yeah, like exactly. yeah. i mean i think it's more of just a case of like I just found out what worked because I had to do the editing as well. And this so, is, this so it's a process of kind exactly. of like, all right, this isn't working. I need to do this next yeah, time. Exactly. The light was or, wrong. or you would bring something back and show someone and they'd go, well, that was dull. Oh, that was overexposed. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was dull. And, uh, worst, yeah, worst, yeah, worst, <laughs> no, no, anyone. That's yeah. actually, someone had actually said that to me about my uh, like first or second thing where I was just literally roaming around, putting the camera down, filming for like 10 seconds moving it somewhere else, filming for 10 seconds, because I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and so I gradually got better, I hope. Um, and in my final year, I, I applied for the position of head of production and got that. And then I started organizing the shoots. And wow. that was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So it's I a decided certain, to go back. <laughs> it's a certain thing to yeah. produce, right? We'll come on to Andy's in a minute, actually yeah. producing stuff. But, um. Um, and then, yeah, basically at the end of university, I was looking at what I could do and I suddenly it literally happened to me in the space of like 10 minutes having a conversation with my girlfriend she was like well why didn't you just do filming I was like is that a thing I know, that can people can do, do filming like, just oh, okay do filming. I'll just look into that and so I went to film school and that's where I met um Callum Mate. and uh yeah the rest is history as they say and so obviously you two meet 
but you don't work together straight away, right? I mean, Freya Ventos, is, is that the first thing you made no, together, so or did you make bits and pieces? So we started making, so Fusilier was the first film which we shot in the summer of 2012. Yeah. But we, but we, we weren't in the same, uh, the, the year at um, film school was split. Yeah. Uh, like 50-50 okay. type thing. Um, and we were in opposite halves, but we'd met on a social like night out type thing. Sounds um, good. Yeah. That yeah. Took a wow wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't quite like that. But, <laughs> um, yeah, and then we, we kind of got chatting and then nothing really happened. And I saw Callum posted on Facebook that he was making this uh, war film. And I just messaged him saying, I'm doing cinematography. Do you need someone to come and film it? And mm-hmm. Callum went, was like, yeah, you'll yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's how you just went, yeah, yeah let's yeah. move and forward. Then, and then we've kept working together since. Started working on scripts together after that. and Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's important to have that sort of creative team around you who you really like to work with, especially the shorthand when you are making a feature, when you really need it, when you're in the trenches, literally. Yeah, yeah And it sure. can be really difficult. Uh, and you need those people who you totally support and get and understand when you're not making sense. Yeah, exactly. To just yeah. go, okay, I, think, and, I know what you mean. The more you work with someone, the, obviously, as like you said, the shorthand becomes quicker and quicker. And we kind of just automatically on set now go, I'm thinking about doing this. And then it's automatically agreed that, oh, yeah, no, I was thinking of that same. And, you know, yeah, exactly. So it works really well. Yeah, it must basically, I like, say half a sentence. You go, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know what you're saying. I know. So, how did how did you pull your dad into this? Then I'm in on Fusilier. Like, was it is it a case of okay, I'm going to bring my dad Andrew in? Um, I mean, you've always always been interested in film since you were tiny, as like me. But you didn't make films or little, you didn't have like a, a a camera that you could use whenever you wanted no. during your childhood. So you kind of didn't get into it until. I mean, you started doing some courses and stuff. Yeah, when I was at college. Yeah, I did. I did. I did start a course. I did start a degree in, in film and media, and then oh. then that sort of fell apart. <laughs> what the course did, or you did? I did. <laughs> okay, I did. Uh, and then uh, it was because it just wasn't what I had what I expected. And then uh, so that I didn't complete that. And then I was I was working. So I was working retail at that point. I'd always just done a succession of jobs, basically to to put food on the table. Callum was kind of living the living the dream as far as I was concerned because he was studying media and he was doing all this stuff that fascinated me. And then when he went to film school and kind of... I think one of the things that happened was that you'd often go, oh, well, we've been told to do something like this. And I'd go, but I wouldn't do it like that. Because if you do it like that, it's, that doesn't make any sense to me. Because if you ever do it like that, we're never going to we're never going to get anywhere if we if we have to have this money in place from here. And it, it, you know, there was lots of stuff that you were told that I fundamentally disagreed with. Although the film school did an awful lot of good stuff, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but in terms of like kind of living in the real world, I'm going. Well, I'll just go and do it. Yeah, I think that was kind of what I bought to it initially. Mm-hmm. So we'll just go and find somewhere and do it. Um, mm. So you kind of uh, assisted, I suppose, Callum, to say, "Look, we can do this, and I'll help you." Yes, and because it was your passion as well, and yeah. your burning passion. Callum, were you forced into this? Just no. Wanna, <laughs> no. Check. I mean, we have fallouts. But it wasn't, it wasn't, we don't, um, the thing is, we do generally get along, and we have. Um, I said we don't particularly. Sometimes when we're like writing, we bang heads and that sort of thing. But it is mm. a thing is we'll have an argument, but normally, kind of, we agree on. The outcome, it mm. just takes us a while to get there. And we do kind of think the same. Um, and, it's, and it's useful because said you have a, a, you have a mind where you go from, from outside of film school, you go, well, just do it like this instead, which is useful. Yeah. Um, another perspective. 
Which was, um, and also must be really nice to be working with your family as well. I mean, in terms of sometimes, especially living so far away, if you like, if you're based in London, suddenly now you're going, well, I've got, a, I can work with my dad in a way and be close to my family. And I think that's quite a nice thing. I'd love well, that. We're, we're on top of each other, really. I think the biggest thing that you brought, Andy, was that you have uh, an incapacity, in a positive <laughs> way, to understand that things can't be done. So you just don't think that's, you think anything's possible. And so if, for example, when the film, uh, Frey Burns was made to build a tank and he just built a tank, like that was in a primary oh, school. That. Yeah, wow. in a primary school. Like uh, Bridget, his wife, was a headmistress and he just built it in one of the classrooms and it was teeny, and he was all in it and it was, you know, done for the film and he just went, there you go. Like he's never said, you can't do it. It which is, is quite fun when, a script is presented yeah and it's like okay so we're filming inside a tank where are we getting the tank mm. i'm building it yeah we had that was oh, quite that was okay. quite a fun conversation with film school where they'd yeah. be going so you've got a tank in this film because they had to sign off the health and safety course, yeah. so you've got the, the reg plate for this tank no it's not a real tank no but you've got it traveling across a field no that's that's like the size of your hand that tank it's a, it's a miniature yeah, but they were inside a tank. I mean, yeah, but that's it's a set, and that's kind of that was interesting. Wow, they didn't understand. That's yeah, quite they funny. Couldn't, they couldn't get their heads round. <laughs> well, because we were no filmmaking guys yeah. <laughs> with miniatures. It's set. It's yeah. quite you know yeah, set yeah. build. Amazing. It was, it was quite strange, wasn't it? That well, I think was, uh, well, we were because we were building a set. Yeah, you go no. Like, it's a, you film inside a set, and then you cut outside the set, and that's a model. Then you come back inside. I understand this. I worked in retail till about three weeks ago. Um, <laughs> You're like, listen, I'll take over your course, guys. You yeah. clearly don't know what you're doing. It's just a funny thing. It's having an understanding of the way things work yes. that never needed to be explained to me. I just understood it. Well, that makes a good producer, right? It's someone who just goes, listen, I'm not going to take no for an answer and you need a tank, fine, I'll build one or I'll get someone to build one or I'll create that. And that's great. That's kind of what you want as a filmmaker, right? Is someone yeah, going, oh, get on yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, basically we've got this running thing where you can basically turn up to Andy and say, I need this. And he'll present one to you three weeks later, which is like a perfect replica of a, I don't know, rifle from world war two. And you go, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Challenge accepted and done. And done. Perfect. Fair enough. And do you find yeah. it easier? And this is a, 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 easier to go sort of find those type of things. You know, what makes a good producer in your eyes to sort of go around and just go right? I'm going to go get that. I'm going to call someone up. Um, oh, I don't know. I, I think you can't be afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. I would say that's the number one thing. And 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 I do think that comes with age. I think it's one of those things. that was like a perfect storm that I happened to be in my mid late forties when all this happened. You know, when we went, when we said, for example, when we sat opposite local builders merchants and said, right, can, we want you to give us four and a half thousand pounds worth of wood to make a Lancaster bomber. Mm-hmm. I think if Callum and Sam had just sat there and had that conversation, they probably would have said no. Right. And I think that we live in an ageist society still. And I think the fact that there was a man in his late forties saying it, they kind of somehow took it more seriously. It's a okay. shame, but it's true. Right. That's interesting. Um, yeah. But I do believe that's to be the case. Yeah, it does help. That on occasion i don't i don't think it matters so much now but we, these guys when we first started working together you know, they looked about 12 mm. you know and i do think it makes a difference yeah. no I, um, I know what you mean yeah it's yeah. that seriousness of okay yeah. we're going to give this to people who, yeah look young i know what you mean it shouldn't be like that no, but, but okay. it is like that yeah. i mean and then also now i know for, i could step back a lot now from the producer side of things when it comes to just phoning people cold and that mm-hmm. kind of thing because i know now 
that Callum can do it. Yeah. Initially, he couldn't do it. He wasn't comfortable doing it. But he's seen me do it enough times to realize that actually nothing happens. You don't die because mm-hmm. you embarrass yourself on the phone. You just embarrass yourself on the phone and move on. Yep, you're right. So, but it's getting over that. Now, I was yeah. the same for years. I hated yeah. doing that. You know, yeah. until taking money, even at football, the five sides. Like, lads, can I have your money now? Yeah. But do you know what I mean? It's asking for something. You get used to that. And you get used to, as a producer, stepping up and going, all right, I've got to do that to yeah. make something happen. And so what if someone says no? Right? I mean, that's, that's what a great producer well, does. Well, if you ask right? people for money, most times they're going to say no. Mm-hmm. You know, they're yeah. going to, most times people are going to go, mm, yeah. Well, if they do that, that's not a no yet. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, 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 Great, yeah. I've got them. I've got yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bank details here. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you're right. So, yeah, you're right. You yeah, are right. Yeah. But, um, no, but you're abs- that's, it's really interesting to talk about how, to approach investors and to approach, approach people with money and sort of go, okay, well, look, this is our project. And people do take that seriously. If it's someone actually saying, look, I've done this before. It's not a problem. I've built this before. Here's how we're going to do it. And as it's to people straight out of film school, they go, well, I'm, I'm not sure. So it is good to have someone experienced around you, whether that's in the film world or not at all. Uh, so that must have been interesting working together. How, so you met John. How did you meet Chris then? Because Chris, you were you were on the Fusilier as well. I, no, I was no. Frey Bentos. So you were Frey Bentos. So basically, me and Sam met in Costa Rica on a student volunteer program. So you're going to say Costa Coffee then? Yeah, we well, hey, in Costa uh, Coffee. In Costa Coffee. No, in, in uh, Costa Rica on a student volunteer program, and one night sat on this rock. No joke. Sun was coming down. We were like, we're going to make a film together, and he was like, yeah, we are. And then about three years later, he rings me and says, do you want to be in a short film? I said, yeah. Amazing. Love was made. Yeah. Not yeah. made. That's the wrong word to say. Um, but, no, uh, but we didn't make love. You, you consummated no. the relationship. We, we, we were just, we became very close. Yeah. 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 And, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the sea was lapping against <laughs> the tides. Um, and then, uh, yeah, very, someone dropped out, I think. And actually I got a bigger part, I think, in... I can't remember now. The, well, I do. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've, we've known each other a while now. And, uh, yeah, we just wanted to get get working together, really. Yeah, that yeah. was that was it. Yeah, and then obviously, Lancaster guys come about and very nicely got a nice part in that. Um, uh-huh. And we've all sort of just worked together. Well, Son dropped out of that one, and that's why you got it. Oh, yeah, again. Uh, <laughs> so you know, this is how it works with you, Chris. Yeah. But then you proved your worth. Proved my worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, exactly. Yeah, I took a took a quite a vicious punch to the face, didn't I, for for you boys? Basically, in the scene, we did a yeah. we did a scene with a boxing scene, and we um. We didn't have a fight choreographer did we that day for whatever he couldn't turn up and so I just said just hit me just do it and Callum had the camera he's like shout action and he said you've got to move and he said action he's like you've got to move I didn't want to move for about 30 seconds I was I'm going to get hit and he just went boom and I just got hit and I went to the floor had to look dazed was genuinely it's yeah. in the film I think though I was, yeah, that is the tape's great yeah because yeah, he actually hit you. but what's interesting I've heard this before and Scott Adkins has talked about this sometimes when they've been punched in the face it looks fake Sometimes on camera because right. they used to, the, how you take the punch on film is very different. But yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. you sold it. <laughs> I, I dropped. <laughs> I dropped. Yeah, that's we the one. See his face. He was on the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was a big guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was funny. But no, yeah. So we've we've um, worked together a long time, and obviously, or we just get on really, really well. It's really easy to work together. Yeah. Right. Take your hand. Off <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Lancaster Skies then, because this is your. Uh, First feature film as a team, but obviously you'd made a feature before. Yeah, I, I made a, a, a low budget um, horror film in Spain. Burn, um, sunburn, right? Sunburn, sunburn, yeah, that's the right. one. Yeah, which Chris was in as well. Yes, I managed to get him uh, in a small part in that as well. Yeah, when um, I was running around. 
yeah, pants. Basically in his pants all, <laughs> yeah. all day. Okay, so that brought you on to Lancaster Sky. So when you're saying, I'm going to do Lancaster Skies, or I, I want to make my feature, obviously you're going, right, Sam, I want to work with you on this. Is that well, how actually, it well, actually, Skies started before. Yeah. Ah, because you all wrote it together, right? Yeah, so yeah. we kind of did the first draft, and they're about certain stuff, and then you kind of in to help with the first, and then kind of we then worked on the second draft together. So uh, that's your dad. So yeah, so yeah. yeah. Um, and then fine-tune it from there, and then we'd go kind of back and forth. Because of the way we shot Lancaster Sky is in like five shooting blocks. So you did five yeah, shooting blocks, okay. Yeah. Sensible. Um, we would then write those, get the scenes that we were about to shoot ready, we were happy with, and then why about the other scenes later <laughs> and then and then they keep changing stuff and then we had to due to someone's availability we had to completely rewrite someone out of it yeah. put oh, wow. someone else in and that's how chris got the job yeah <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you, but you t- just to mention that you'd already shot as well that character in a book, yeah yeah so and they, they had already... to then shoot it and he had him written oh. in for later in the film and they had to just write him out halfway through the script wow which was interesting oh my gosh let's come back to that so why this idea why lancaster skies where did it come from because it's you know it's it's tough to make that on a low budget well we didn't we didn't plan to make it for eighty thousand pounds to right. begin with we thought okay half, we kind of budgeted we thought about half a million quid um very quickly realised through... I mean, who uh, wouldn't give us half know, a million pounds? I mean, I mean why not? At the time, First time feature film director, <laughs> producer, but exactly. not a DOP. They're like, well, why not? And Chris is in it. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. They're like, come on. Chris is the big selling. He wasn't in it at that point. Maybe no, that's where the money no, came from. Right, <laughs> right. Um, and then kind of very quickly realised that we weren't going to get that funding. So kind of went, okay, well, what's the minimum we can make it for? Kind of, and it, we kind of took it back as far as could. And eighty thousand pounds was kind of like okay. We think the the script would have to be changed slightly, but we can probably do it for eighty thousand. Um, and the idea came about because because it's we're based in Lincolnshire, and it's mm. you get planes flying over all time typhoons. You got mm. um, Memorial Flight flying over. There's a big air base there, right? As there's well? loads. There's, yeah. there's okay. yeah. There's like yeah, dozens. Um, so. Uh, when you were shooting Fusilier, I, th- I can't remember what flew over now again. but something flew over. And Hercules. The Hercules. And the kind of the actors said, well, why have you thought about making a film based on the RAF? And we kind of went, well, not really. Um, but that's a but, good idea. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. then we started working on, originally it was a short film. Yeah, we wrote And then we went, well, we're going to build the interior of a lank, so we'll make it a feature. Cause and, I thought, well, might as well, considering you're building. Absolutely. Since you're built inside of a tank, you were like, well, it's surely easy I'm to I'm pretty sure that was you, though, wasn't inside. it? Inside. That was the what? Point. I'm pretty sure Andy said, "What's the point of making a short if you can make a feature?" And that yeah, was kind of that's yeah, kind of was, the, yeah. Andy's mentality was just do it. Yeah, well, it might be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was. I think so, it was. And it makes sense. Do you know what? It's yeah. true. If you're gonna, especially if you've made a short already and quite a few now, you're kind of like, well, let's push on and make the feature, right? But it's money and situation. So we'll come to that. Tell us the story. Tell us the idea of it, because then people listening will go, "Oh wow, okay, this is quite an ambitious project." So it's the the story is about a Spitfire pilot uh, on a Spitfire pilot who has survived the Battle of Britain. And uh, after the death of his younger brother, he decides to join Bomber Command. Um, and he has to take uh, the place of a, tu- a cruise skipper who died on one way after their last raid. And it's about basically the crew being quite superstitious and not knowing who this kind of oddball is who's coming come in from the outside. Then him gaining their trust with a, a raid over Berlin kind of in the days looming ahead of him. Um so that's kind of the, said. That's the kind of the, the base of the story. This is Flight Lieutenant Miller, your new skipper. I heard you were a Spitfire pilot. I was. 
I don't like wasting my time. I am here to fight a war. Half the men on this base won't survive your precious war. So why don't you climb down off your high horse? People might stop trying to push you off it. Tonight's target is an industrial complex on the outskirts of Berlin. I cannot stress enough the importance of this mission. Good luck. Stay sharp. Lancaster Skies is a, a, a homage to those war films made in the 40s and 50s. It's not trying to be Saving Private Ryan or Fury. It's trying. It's it's going back to Angels 1-5 and um, the Dam Busters. It's yeah. deliberately kind of in that style. Because of the limited budget, it lends itself really well to doing it in that style because they used models. They, they didn't have the money mm-hmm. um, just like us. So we couldn't compete with big Hollywood films and action sure. blockbusters and loads of effects and CG and all that kind of stuff. So we had to play to our strengths a little bit and, and work out how we could do it in a interesting and unique way um, without, you know, blowing the bank basically. Yeah. And you did that during the writing process then. Did you think how you were already thinking about shooting it as you were writing it? Well, the first draft, I mean, the, the film would have been very different if we got half million because we were planning to get big. There was a bit, there was a section at the end where they were flying, flying over, the, over sea, the sea and it was, right. would have been a, a, a worse film for it if we got the half million quid, I think. I think it would have lo- looked better, but I think actually the, the film is better because of the restricted budget because we had to be more creative and said we, kind of were forced to to stick to those 1940s and 50s style films mm. um so when we did the second draft it, it certainly affected our decisions in terms of okay well how much are we going to see outside um what exactly can these aircraft do if they're miniatures yeah um so yeah it definitely affected the second draft yeah again to make a sort of a general point uh, really about the process of making this film and how it might be useful for other filmmakers out there all along the way every time we came to a problem so we looked at the script and we go okay how do we do that the answer was always a simplification the, the mm-hmm. answer was never making things more complicated it was always make it simple because we could have just gone uh yeah but we could just we'll just cgi it all Yes. No, we'll just CGI everything. Well, how are we going to, we'll we'll worry about that later down the line, but we didn't. We go, no, we want to try and capture as much as we can in camera. Mm -hmm. And we want to do that ourselves. And how, what is the simplest way that we can do it? And And the answer to that question is, and I know not everybody necessarily, but is, is to build stuff and to make your own world. Not to go out looking for it. I mean, for us, it was certainly cheaper as well. Yeah. If you if you go out looking for, and I'm going to say it again, make a more general point. If you go out looking for a pub to film in, yeah, just a pub, you have to find the right pub. You have to convince the the, the owner, the, the landlord, whoever it is, to let you film in it. You have to pay a vast sum of money to shut that pub down <laughs> for <laughs> a week, and then reimburse the landlord for whoever for for, for their loss of earnings. You then have to go in there three or four days before you filmed, you gut it to make it look the way you want it to look. And at that point, you go, well, the simple thing here is build a pub. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but a pub is just four walls Mm -hmm. and a load of tables and chairs and a bar. 
Yeah. Actually, it, that then suddenly becomes easier. You suddenly, your head goes, do you know what? Although I don't, that is easier than going out and you've, you've already built the pub before you've even found a, a real pub. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. especially when it needs to be peered because you go, that can't be there, yeah. that radiator and that. Yeah, can't all be these there, sockets we need and, to cover you know, and, up. Yeah. And, you know. and we were in a fortunate position. We had a little bit of money. So we had able to have, we had an industrial unit. It was, it was an old cow shed, but yeah. it was, and it was rough and ready, but it was big. So it, it, meant that we could do that fairly easily but you could still use those same methods in a room sure if you wanted to yeah you know and i would say that to young filmmakers you know if you, the one thing you probably have is an access to your maybe your parents home or something like that where they are not going to charge you 500 pound an hour yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can make that room look like a pub or make that room look like anything you want it to be if you just use your imagination yes you can do it absolutely and what's great about that is you can control the lighting right 100 yeah, yes. percent. yeah if you're trying to use a normal pub it's it's sometimes much more difficult to put a light outside you need to speak to the council <laughs> yeah and and you've got to pay for power if, if you have lights yeah well, if you have lights. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> right. which we didn't have many right well that, that was actually one of the the useful things about having all the sets built at the same time as well. So yeah. we didn't have to, we, it wasn't like we were, um, it would take long for us to move everything across and take down a set and then rebuild a set because the space was so big. We had multiple sets on the go at, at the same time. And the unfortunate thing about that was we only had seven lights total yeah. for the whole film. Wow. So How come? What, what, what was the reason? Just budget. Just right. like it, it all is, came down said, to budget. It, it all because it's a it's a period film. The cost of like the uniform and stuff is just makes it it's yeah. so much more expensive. If you're doing something set in the one day, you can get wear jeans wait, and a t shirt. Where now exactly? But it, yeah, it yeah. said when you're getting uniform for well, first of all, you've got seven man crew, and then you're going. Well, we've got extras as well, and then if you need whatever else it is like period furniture, yeah. And, and I, like I, that. I think the big thing, and again, people can take away um, this is you have to use the budget where it's going to be most effective for the film. Mm. And so actually getting a whole bunch of lights, but having them in really bad uniforms that didn't work and didn't look good would have been completely counterproductive. Totally agree. And because of, you know, I I think we had a chat beforehand and I am used to using fewer lights because of my experience. Exactly from your days. I think we just kind of said, let's get these from China yeah, and, and everything we'll see if it works. Yeah, and, and we'll really see what happens. I think the best best light, the biggest light we had was a two K Ari Fresnel, right. and and that was the light. Yeah. Everyone was and like, then we we, hi- we, we only got this hired, one. Basically, we hired because basically we hired a big big we one for we hired for the, one big yeah. light when we were shooting around the lank. But otherwise, it was all yeah. like, um, and and even halfway through the big block, which we did about four weeks, which was all the pub stuff and all the interiors, essentially. Mm-hmm. I think one of the lights broke anyway. So we ended up having six total lights. Wow. And so it's just basically you film in one, you mm-hmm. take all the lights down, you put all, put them all up in the next set and right. hang them from the ceiling, essentially. And do it that way. Did you use just, practicals a little bit then? Certainly we the used pub. practicals, but in actual fact, we just used... We Well, Andy was very clever. and We put one of the sets by the uh, big shutters... So we could essentially get daylight. Right. So when we were using that set, we could have windows and yes. we could just lift the shutters and I could just use a whole bunch of daylight, which was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, because then you've got the biggest light that we can possibly get, which yes. is the sun. Absolutely. So yeah, which was really useful. Um, but just in terms of, yeah, I think the big thing is making sure you use the budget 
to the best of its ability and where it's going to count. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I say, a big light was not going to make it look better. No, really. you're absolutely right. Whereas costumes actually would. Exactly. And you can shoot yeah. in low light or use the right yeah, camera exactly. to make that work. What did you shoot with? What camera did you use to help you out? So we shot on the Blackmagic cinema camera. Mm-hmm. And then we shot on the... And then we shot the miniatures on the Sony FS5. Okay. Um, Any reason for those cameras or was it... Budget. Ja- budget. It's super cheap. Accessibility. You know, what you get from the Blackmagic cinema camera, you know, and that's an old camera now, um, is cheap. And it looks pretty good. You know, it's, it does a good job. Um, you know, it's not an We had some dodgy lenses though, didn't we? Yeah, well, the big thing is that because the budget was so small for the equipment, again, we, we had to compromise in, in so many aspects. One of those compromises was lenses. Mm-hmm. Um, we got ourselves some Samyang... Uh, yeah, Sam, yeah, yeah, cheap, cheap, two hundred pound jobbies. Yeah, and they had take... been adjusted for um, focus gears, essentially. Okay, and we had three of them. We had a twenty-four, a fifty, and an yeah. eighty-five. Yeah, um, and, and then, then we, we had a twenty-four seventy <gasps> Canon L series yeah. as well, which was really nice. Oh, okay, nice. Um, yeah. We found out on one of the, um, the yeah, Sam the, the twenty-four mil is basically half, half is if so. You focus on something in the distance, and then you go. Half the frame soft and half the frame sharp. Yeah, there's like there's a sweet spot. Yeah, because yeah, you just stand on that side for us, please. Well, essentially, yeah. like you've got two, two actors standing next to each other. One's in focus, one's not. You're, you know, they're right in the middle there, and one is soft and one is not at about eleven feet, let's say. Anything beyond that is kind of fine. Right. Or closer is kind of fine, but there was a spot in the middle yeah. which was like we were racking our brains going, Hang on, what, the, what are we doing? How here? does that work? No. I don't understand. We're after sponsorship, Sang Yang. Yeah. yeah. Sang sort of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're sponsoring this podcast. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it is, it, it's, it's an interesting challenge when, again, it makes you better and it makes you more creative when you're, you have limitations. I totally agree. Because if you had a full box full of lenses you can sometimes there's too many options i mean you know yeah, obviously that would yeah. be nice too i, mean, I, I wish we didn't have the 85 because we barely used well that. we didn't use that at all really no, we right. just for one shot i think mm. but well, um yeah you often when you've got the lens on you go well i like it now and you kind of stay with that it's very hard yeah, to change yeah. unless you and we, close we, up or because because we were going for a 50 style they didn't do mm. many close-ups yeah. Um, yeah. Especially on, on well, the longer movies. lenses. It was, they were made for movies. Right, exactly. Big so screens. They're, they're much wider shots. So we were kind of hanging at the wider end of it anyway. Um, and yeah, it was just, I think a lot of the um, discussions were more around how the camera was going to move as opposed to what lens was we were going to be yeah. on. Um, because we were, you know, most of the time quite wide. And did you, and obviously those, a lot of those films were either on a big old crane or quite static. Did you think about that, or did you go? No, I'm um, going to do it my own stuff. Well, again, style. that was all down to my. So we basically we bought again a cheap um, Chinese <laughs> Chinese dolly. dolly. Oh. We got it from from a, a UK uh, reseller essentially. Yeah, fine, um, but they were much cheaper than the alternatives. Three stars um, on eBay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did it clarify as well that there are two types of Chinese dolly? One is inflatable, <laughs> and we didn't use that one. Right, that's uh, still in your house. Okay, good, good. So we, good. So we had the, the dolly, and then we had a, a basic jib. Yeah. Again, same sort of sort same of thing. thing. Okay. Cheapest chips. Um, yeah. And then a really cheap steady cam, which wasn't steady. Really. The unsteady cam. Yeah. Did you make it? 
No, no. we didn't make it. Okay. We, we, I mean, we may as well have. Right. Was it um, that unsteady that you couldn't use it? Because that's also a problem as well. If it's. Do you know what? I think, I think the other thing comes down to um, using the black magic. I love the image, but that camera in particular and that style is not an ergonomic mm-hmm. camera. Yeah. The weight distribution is awful. Yeah, it doesn't. So feel balancing yes. and and getting it to kind of work how you should have a steady cam work was a challenge in itself. Um, and the other thing was, we, I don't think we could afford a little viewfinder. So we did the whole film without a viewfinder. We just used the monitor on top. Really? Um, which in the sun and the monitor on the back of the you camera. You did have a jumper well. to put over your yeah, head. Yeah, we basically just ended up. <laughs> Stop complaining. Putting a tent over me. <laughs> well, exactly. We got a jumper. Mate, this is, great. is this is the high end. This is yeah, you know exactly. what I mean. What are you who complaining about? This is who needs a viewfinder? Yeah. The thing is with mo- looking into monitors, actually, it's it, you see, it's harder to see the actual image, isn't it? It's yeah. Actually, on the back of that, I mean, I don't want to you know do them a disservice because I like the camera. But you can't see anything on the back of that in bright day. No, you can't. Agreed. So we were yeah. doing scenes outside where it literally Callum and I would be just underneath a, a jacket looking at the image going, yeah, I think yeah, that's, I think that's good. Yeah, and then, I think. you know, go from there. Really. Great for behind but, the scenes um, photos. It's just you two yeah, under a Mac. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about how you managed to raise the money then because still 80 grand is still quite a lot to raise generally you know on a budget like this sometimes it's easier to raise more how did you go about doing that then Andy what a team how did you do it um well we had <laughs> I had a little bit of money myself which we initially used to just springboard things mm-hmm. but that's probably it was probably about 30 grand we put in okay. um uh but the view being that at some point I'll I will get it back I'm still waiting but at some point I'll get it back um it's three years yeah which, it's which, three uh, years yeah, yeah. It? yeah it's grown it's since coming, then it's, it's, coming. Uh, yeah. it's coming it's coming and then um then we we did some crowdfunding oh, um, nice. okay uh which was we got better at um we probably I don't know in total what we managed to get Maybe in the end through crowdfunding 12 to 15 000. grand that's yeah. pretty impressive yeah. that's really good um yeah. Yeah, yeah again my advice to people out there if you're crowdfunding aim small Go with small goals that you can then sort of stretch. Don't try and go for large amounts. Mm-hmm. Small is beautiful. I'm um, pretty sure we did a crowdfunding for half a million. We did yeah. do a crowdfunding yeah. campaign. Did you? Half we got pounds. And no, because people see that as too big. They go, that's yeah, just yeah. far too ambitious. Yeah, You're yeah, never yeah, going to yeah. get it. Let's yeah. not do this. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. It, that, that, we, we, we've done that so you people out there don't have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It you don't have work. to suffer the humiliation. It's of doing true. It well, crowdfunding is really hard. You have to go out to all your pals and your friends yeah, and pe- yeah. friends of friends and yeah. sort of cap in hand and go, "Hey, we're trying to raise half a million And the way the algorithms and stuff work on things like Indiegogo, obviously, it doesn't it doesn't differentiate between you raising five hundred pounds or fifty thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. If you get your goal, if you get to your five hundred pounds, you will be more apparent. You, they, they will push yes. you forward. Of course, you get on the front page, or yeah, yeah because you're successful, even if yeah, it's only five hundred pounds, and then then you can add a stretch goal, and you know, mm. so that's kind of. So we got a bit of money doing it that way. Then we just asked people for money, or we asked them for goods and services. I see. Well, because now you've you've got forty five k ish, so suddenly you're going. Well, we only need to match fund that, or yeah. a little bit less, yeah. and suddenly more people are going. Oh, you've already on you put your own money in. Yeah. Okay, well, in that case, I'll, I'll and we'd just do anything that we could. So we you know, we'd sell posters. I thought you were going to say do car washes and stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, well, bacon no, sales. Could have made that, a lot of money yeah, doing that. Yeah. You did actually make like life-size Daleks and things and sell them online to raise money. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, we did, uh, yeah, we did sell stuff. Yeah, I did make stuff to sell. Sorry, sorry BBC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry about that. But Somehow. yeah, I did make some Daleks and sell them on eBay. 
Um, <laughs> after they get taking them down, and I kept putting them back on again. Uh, <laughs> Do they? Do they take them down? I yeah, 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 yeah. The BBC are very touchy about their Daleks. Yeah. Well, I suppose if you're saying this is an official Dalek, yeah, or whatever, but I didn't, no, didn't call it official, but they just didn't like it. Anyway. Yeah. We'll brush over that. Absolutely. <laughs> Gloss over it. Yeah. Anything we could do. And then when we were filming, we'd op- we'd have set open days. So we'd open a set up for a day, okay. get people in and charge them a couple of pounds to walk around and then just try and sell them stuff while we were there, posters and bits and pieces, which were quite successful. Yeah. I mean, we'd often go into a filming block with literally no money. And then what, how are we going to pay people at the end of this? We had no idea. I mean, what, at the end of the big filming block, it was so bad that we took out, and I'm not advocating you should do this, interest-free credit cards. Wow. Okay. And then bought people stuff that they yeah. wanted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's payment. Instead of paying you, like Dan, for example, I went, what do you want, Dan? You went, I'd really like an iPad. I'll buy you one on this interest-free credit card because I can't afford to pay you, but I can get you a... Do you know what, that's really, in a way, I mean, yeah, don't advocate it to many people out there, but the same way you're thinking with your brain, you go, I need to finish my movie, so how can I do that? Yeah, you do anything you can. There's a certain point where you get too far in the rabbit hole, and Mm -hmm. you can't stop, you have to finish the film, otherwise you've just sunk a whole load of money into a sinking ship. Yeah. Or a sinking plane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, And and so you get to a point where it's like, well, we have to find a way of doing this. Yeah. Um, And... Luckily, we were quite good at coming up with solutions to that problem. Um, yeah. yeah, going it's, from there, really. Well, it absolutely sounds it. So you shot in five blocks. Yeah. Talk me through that, because this is new to a lot of people. People love to do it all in one go. Well, we, well, we would have done it. Was, it was purely because we went. We only have enough money for so many pages of script. So we kind of broke it up in terms of going, um, we did all the stuff, that, which was our main character at home in the first week, mm-hmm. which we did in February 2015. Yeah, I mean, it, it took us four years of, yeah, of from start to finish. Um, God, and then we yeah. did kind of the biggest shooting block then the following August. And that was all the stuff on the internal REF base. Um, so that's where we got this unit and built all this, all the sets. Next. So in the in-between time, after that first block, you started to edit and put it together? Yeah, we put those little bits together and then be working mainly on the next shoot, which was which was four months later. So prepping it, planning yeah. it, building the sets. And it's an ingenious way of doing it, really. I mean, it's, And it, it, and it helped in terms of people putting money in because they went, oh, I can see it happening. You can show people something. Yes, of course, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and then so after that, then we had another shoot, at, I think it was a day's filming for a pickup we needed of... Basically, we turned one of the REF base sets into a room for that our main character staying in right at the start of the film, and then we built the Lancaster set after that. Um, and that was a two-week shoot yeah. following. That was 2016, March 2016, and then we did the final shoot with the actors at East Kirkby, uh, who have uh, just Jane Lancaster. Mm-hmm. Did all the external scenes there, so that's basically all, all the external sets of the REF base. And then finally, we did the miniature shoot. Uh, that had been 2017. Yeah, 2017. Yeah. Wow, so two-year process, yeah. pretty much, which is incredible. During that time, though, you must have also seen maybe a little close-up you needed, or a little an extra shot that you wanted, and you can go, let's just capture that. Or were you I don't think, I don't think we have. We had one pickup. I think I because remember. we because the budget dictated that we get rid of the stuff that we couldn't do. Right. We were basically limited to what we needed. Mm-hmm. So and, uh, and because we had time to prep before each shoot, we would go, okay, this is what we've done. This is what we need to do. Let's plan the hell out of it because we've only got two weeks, you know. Yeah. Um, and so Callum, Callum was very good at prep. I'd and, give and Sam making, a folder at the start of the yeah, shoot. Yeah, basically turn like, up and it's like, this is everything. Like a Bible. And it's like, great. Really? Like, that's what we're shooting. Yeah. 
Um, and then stick as rigidly as we can. There would be That's times where we go. Gone, sorry. What was in what was in your what was in there? It was so oh, it had just like floor plans. It had floor plans, yeah. storyboards, um literally a, a minute to minute breakdown of the day saying, Okay, well you're gonna have ten minutes out of this shot and then we will shoot this scene shoot that for that take should be so many minutes long, so we'll do that then three times, so that should take us to this time. Amazing. So it was like as close as we could to kind yeah. of Well you kind of first aid doing right? I mean I imagine there wasn't really well, I mean the crew was like, like eight people. He, Eight people. He, yeah, he did basically. I mean, you had like our uh, makeup designer Amy, who was also being. I mean, she a was lighting my camera runner. assistant. She's she my was spark. Assistant. She was also a runner. She yeah. was a driver. Like everyone did everything. So you all just mucked in pretty much and yeah. said, "Look, yeah, what can to. we do to yeah, get it done?" Yeah. yeah, doubled up jobs. And did you tell your crew this from the beginning that this is how it's going to be? I don't think we had a conversation. The thing is, I think everyone kind of, we, everyone knew that it was a very small crew. And I think everyone just wanted to mark in. I don't think it was, we never went, oh, right, you're going to also be making teas. Yeah, teas. I think it was, it was more along the lines of, again, problem solving. So you mm. get, you get to a point where it's like, oh, I don't have enough arms to hold this light and wave it around to make it look like flak. Yeah. So, hey, Amy, you've got arms. Can you wave the light around? And she's like, yeah, I'll do that. Great. So you end up, dragging people in and, and otherwise she's just sitting there doing nothing mm-hmm. um, and she's great and, and loves getting involved and you know helping everyone out so yeah that's really nice we actually yeah I mean like I think the only pickup we had was I had to do one in May oh sorry we had two then yeah, yeah and that was, and, but other than that that was it yeah. your trousers off yeah. well yeah we only filmed the top half so um, I just thought it was funny um, <laughs> cheers mate <laughs> that was meant to be between three people but now it's between lots of people uh, but, but actually weirdly enough one of the things that happened in the shoot was um, I had a car crash and severed my thumb like completely basically off so I was in a massive cast and, wow. we, were, and we were having to film uh, the rear gunner stuff and everything's jittery so Andy had to build a string that I could pull with my left hand that would pull it up so my right hand didn't have to move or do anything and that's so you incredible. couldn't see the cast wow which was like a whole week block I just texted him I was like boys I've had a little crash so I'm a little, little iffy situation <laughs> and I know you need close-ups of hands yeah, and holding and stuff and there was a glove and he built a like, special glove around it so you couldn't see and Andy just built this whole rig for us and amazing just, what I mean is I'm only saying that because it shows you things kept going wrong in, 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 not in out of their hands mm. and they fixed it which was um, yeah amazing so look you, you guys have done brilliantly you've obviously gone way beyond your means to get your film made and I think that this testament to any indie filmmaker out there is like look if you want to go get a film out there and get it available for people to watch now which it is uh, and get a good distribution behind it is you've got to go out and work your ass and really find it and make it work for you, which is, you know, testament to what That's you've done. Multiple yeah. jobs. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, well, you have to it's do well. it at the end of the day. Yeah. Like we got to a point where we'd, we'd committed and once you commit, you can't really turn back. And so any problem is, is you can overcome because yeah. you have to. Um, I think uh, uh, to add to that really quickly before you go on is that the, the film was actually filmed and then suddenly we realised there's a problem with the sound and so we actually had a completely silent film and so Callum Wait, built what? a sound studio in his spare bedroom and foleyed the entire film from start to finish everything you- every, every sound every footstep was him on stones every cup lift was Callum in his 
if making it in a sound studio. We all came up and all did our voices again with a little TV screen, trying to like see the little blip. And you know, like you couldn't do it between three and four in the day because trucks would drive outside, so it makes too much noise. Like the entire film was ninety ninety five percent. Yeah, was. But that's the problem with filming in a cow shed in next to someone next to some guys that are building sheds. Yeah. Oh really? That was very well. So did you kind of know at that when you were filming that? I I think we knew. Yeah, yeah, I kind of went. We'll try. But if I have to, I I kind of was naive and going out to redo it afterwards because it <laughs> took forever of course it does yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it took about a minute did you do you did Everything. all the foley putting down cups and yeah, moving yeah. stuff about a year it took yeah he literally did he literally did every, everything is layered and I'd come up and he'd show me a new bit and he'd be like wait till next week and then next week you'd hear like some footsteps <laughs> he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah I did them yeah yeah how did you record? What, what did go on? Tell people how you did all this because so, this is interesting. So, okay, so first of all, we started with all the ADR, uh, which was about three, two to three months, and getting everyone up when they were kind of free to come up in yeah. a bedroom. And you got them bedroom. to come up to Lincoln, yeah. Wow. And then painstakingly sat there listening in headphones, going, "No, there's there's something there in the background." Um, so tedious, but yeah, literally 90% of the dialogue is all re recorded. And then we got an industrial unit, um, and we had guys next door who were doing up cars. So we're like, well, we can't do this during the day. So I'd go back there about eight o'clock at night with my, uh, uh, with Scott, who is, uh, part of the company, uh, a friend of ours and, uh, part of the company. And we worked till about two in the morning, record, recording, and then get up the next day and do some editing, whatever, and then go back at night and, to all the sound it, yeah, it was, um, it's a miracle this film got finished right in terms yeah, of yeah I think it is yeah. hi no, it's, it's, it's just me I know it, it's gone from an echoey room to this room but uh, I'm jumping in to tell you about the Shotlister app that you can have for free yeah for those of you who are listening to this you get this for free it's a special deal for you filmmakers through the Filmmakers Podcast and Shotlister app who are sponsoring this episode if you haven't heard about Shotlister it's the only professional shotlisting and scheduling app it is brilliant because paper shotlists suck and when something inevitably goes wrong on set you're left to scribble all over your perfect plan sometimes the beautiful drawings get messed up guessing you'll be able to make your day well with Shotlister, you can schedule your film on a shot-by-shot shot and a minute-by-minute minute basis. Then when things change on set, which they always do, you can simply update the shooting schedule on the app. And Shotlister automatically does the math for you, so you know exactly how you're doing. And its crew sync feature means you can keep the whole crew up to date. It is brilliant. It's so useful on a film set to suddenly just go, oh, change of plan, chat with your first AD, quickly update the system. Everyone else gets that. Everyone on your set gets that too. They all now know what is next on the list. So your costume department, uh, your sound team, everyone. It is vital and really, really useful. It was designed by filmmakers for filmmakers and is available on Mac, OS, iOS or Android. So check it out at shotlister.com. And so this special bonus, Shotlister has given away 50 five zero free downloads every month to the Filmmakers Podcast listeners. All you have to do to get your free copy, I repeat, free, copy is email filmmakerspodcast at shotlister.com that's filmmakerspodcast at shotlister.com link for this will be in the show notes but you can get a free copy free 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 all you got to do there's no catch there you go that is my little middle of the podcast first time for this uh chat about uh shotlister app so there you go get your free shotlister app why not check it out 
Now, back to this week's podcast with the fantastic Lancaster Guys team. I think this is an incredible story. The fact that it took four years at least, you know, when did you first start coming up with the idea? First I writing it in my... Start, first I writing it in 2013. Yeah. 2013. Right, right. So we're and talking, then, you know, a good five, six years of, of getting it. And how was your writing process together? Was it easy enough? Were you battering it backwards and forwards? Well, we got like the first... I mean, the first draft is always the first draft and it's never yeah. kind of where you want it to be. But we sat down and did like... We went to East Kirkby... Um, and had a look around and we kind of sat down and then over two days had like 50 pages. It's just, yeah. sorry, just get it out on, onto the page. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, I say it's take, it took years because we'd rewrite stuff, continue, like we go, okay, well, we're shooting that, all the length stuff in. And at the early stage, we, we thought we would get more money. So you write things that are yes. slightly more ambitious. Yeah. And so every time we would get a reality hit of like, oh, well, we're not going to get that money. We would then have to go back to the script and go, well, we'll just, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll write this and change that and, you know. So the script adapted right the way up until the last shoot, really. Yeah, um, I can imagine you're just writing as you went. Wow, it's... it's Okay, so uh, there's so much to take in. Your poster is amazing, by the way. The Lancaster Guys poster, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I it pretty cool. loved it. I don't know if it was you guys designed it or not, but... No, was that it? one's uh, Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope, that one. did That's it. Kaleidoscope. I love it. I don't know whether you do or not, but I, I was like, it's a brilliant poster. It shows what the film is, and I was like, that's really cool. Um, and I think it's... Nice. It certainly sells the film. It's it has done us, us um, you know, it has done us proud that poster. Mm. Um, it, it probably isn't the poster that we would have chosen, but then it just goes. But to then show it, that, yeah, it actually goes to show that we don't know everything um, yeah. because it has worked really, really well. That's the thing. These yeah. distributors, even though you kind of sometimes go, oh, that's not what I want. Actually, they do. They yeah. you go to the markets and you see these type of films, and you, yeah. you need to be eye catching because they'll go that one or that one. Will you know yeah. people buying them? They'll go, uh, that one poster looks good. Because people buy it on the posters nowadays, on the mm. DVD cover. And so it's important in this one. They go, yeah, I like that. You know, I, yeah, it's a, yeah, again, it's another good lesson because we're creatives. Mm. All of us are. Um, and you become very, very protective of your property. You do. Um, and yeah. so then it's very, very hard sometimes when someone goes, well, actually, no, that won't. That's no good. Yeah. This has to be this. If, for example, the title of the film, the title of the film was not Lancaster Skies. Ah. Initially, it was Our Shining Sword. And, okay. and on advice, we changed it. Yes. Um, and, we, and it was a, our choice. We chose, we chose Lancaster Skies, but only because we had to. Yeah. Um, but the lesson there is that listen to what people say. Mm-hmm. Don't always just shut the door because it, it is very easy to go, I'm not listening, this is mine, it's all mine, and I'm not listening to what you've got to say. Mm-hmm. But actually, you must because... People are, you know, sometimes people are right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, especially people who've been in this business a long time yes. and who yes. say, I do want to sell your film. Trust me when I say, let's change the title. And, and trust me when I say this needs to be the poster. And as much as it's hard because that film has lived with you for, you know, five, six years, that it's very hard to suddenly just let that go and change the title that's, that's been in your yeah. heart because you've called it that for that long. And suddenly now to call it Lancaster Skies maybe felt alien at first. But And that's something to think about as well when, starting your films people out there is what is the title it really is important to think about straight away we're selling this movie or we need to sell this movie what's the end game we need to make sure the title works for selling it across the world well that's the thing is that you don't we we never went into this thinking for one moment that anybody would buy it <laughs> really <laughs> i'm really honest with you yes yeah i think so yeah um because we were, did you we, think you'd sell this yourself did you think you yeah, just we put thought it... that probably that was probably what would happen 
You know, right. we were realists. It was an £80,000 film. Mm. The odds of an £80,000 film, the odds of any independent film getting distribution is, I think, is one in ten. Mm. So the odds of this getting distribution, when it's a, you know, it's a period film and it was made for 80 grand, was like, it was yeah. impossible as far as we were concerned. Um, so, yeah, we didn't go into it with that in mind. So we didn't, you know, we've had to, we've had to change. We've had to become businesslike. Um, mm. I mean, we were professional. Don't we? Of Obviously, course, you we've are. demonstrated yeah. that anyway because yeah. we've had to start thinking differently, um, and that's happened over maybe the last two years. Where we suddenly, think, oh, hang on a minute, no, now mm. this has gone from running around with you in the, the woods with your cousins to me making wooden guns to, and then suddenly, hang on a minute, this is a business. Yep, it's a business. How? Yep. How did that happen? It's called the film business. The more filmmakers out there can get their heads around that, the better you'll be as a filmmaker because it is a business. And if you yes. think about it from the beginning, how can this make money? Why would someone buy this? Why Suddenly it's like, oh, that's a business. It's not just us having fun. And if you want to go out and make a film for fun, great, go do it. But if yeah. you're doing this as a career, then really think about the business side of it because it's vital. Uh, it's just really vital. I mean, we knew that we would do something that would probably be popular, mm-hmm. but we didn't because we thought oh, I mean, that that can be popular on YouTube or popular, you know, down down <laughs> local car boot, selling <laughs> 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 DVDs out the back of the car. I mean, sure. you know, we literally might have come to something. Yeah. like that. and you'd you have know. done that because you'd love we would have the done film it if we had to. Fine. Yeah, yeah, we would have done it if we'd had to. Yeah. Um, so we knew we were doing something popular. We didn't realise it would be as popular as it has been. When did you know that it suddenly turned a corner into being, you know, okay, Clyde Scope are interested and maybe others as well? When when was that moment where you went, oh, hang on? Um, well, the thing is, it was one of the, we when Clyde Scope, uh, I basically Clyde Scope came on board through the film school. So the head of the film school approached Clyde Scope and said, "Oh, this guy's made, uh, made a film. Uh, might be something you want to have a look at." Um, so Spencer, who's the head of Clydesco, watched it and called me about a week later and said, "Oh, I want to, I want to, I want to take it on. I want to distribute it." And he said, "Oh, there'll be a cinema, we'll do a, a UK cinema release, a DVD, and then we'll set it all up around the world for you." And at the time, I was like, "Oh, okay, wow. that's great, thank you." Um, and we kind of thought, okay, it'd be like a maybe a day screening up and down the country, which at first it was planned. There was planned to do one day. Mm-hmm. It would be 20 cinemas at the screen, and then that'd be it. And then suddenly, especially in Lincolnshire, cinemas were selling out in 24 hours, and they ended up, one cinema close by to us ended up doing a two-month run, near enough, or a month and a half run, where they were screening it every other day, and they were kept filling. Um, and then other cinemas, because it was popular, started putting on more showings so i don't think it was until then we started going oh actually <laughs> it is actually, very popular i think it, it comes down to it took us four years to make it mm. and along that process we had brought people on in terms of social media like we had our facebook page where people were following the progress of the film and so when people get invested in something like that they want to see it at the end yep. so yeah. i think a lot of that especially in lincolnshire where you know, we were fully advertising that it was made, you know, locally and you could, we did set open days, like we said before, where people could come and see the sets and it, it brings people into your project. And if the more people you can get on board and rooting for you, um, the better your outcome will be. So I think a lot of that played into the number of people going to the cinemas, uh, especially in Lincolnshire, Yeah, that's but great. also across the whole country because, you know, social media is 
It's huge. Boundaryless. It's actually really important as well to get that social media sort of following within a film so that people do hear of it. So what are you going to take on to your next film now um, in terms of what you learned from the first one? Obviously, the four-year process. Would you do the same things? What would you do differently? Uh, well, we don't, we don't make it over four years this time. That'd no. Be, that'd be nice. I think the biggest thing we're taking across is our attitude. Mm. And our attitude is we can pretty much overcome most obstacles, all obstacles really, by just a bit of ingenuity. And, yeah. and working out, okay, well, if we don't have the budget for this, how else are we going to do it? And having a plan B, plan C, all that kind of stuff, which we still, did have the whole time. I still think that will still slightly be, but won't be in our favor in terms of people going, yeah, but you can't, you can't do, visual effects can't only cost 20,000. Mm. But we've proven because, that yeah, it has. But, but yeah, it's still exactly. them persuading people that yeah, totally. have the money that you can. And I think that there probably will be an element of that, which we might struggle against still, but... Um, it's finding people I think that's again the whole film was you found people that had the talent had the skill set had the energy had the drive had the passion but weren't given chances yet and I think that's kind of what this film mainly was it was everyone that had all that put together and that's kind of why it's having the success it does have Mm. you don't have to go to the to Danny Elfman to get your music you know we had um James James Griffiths who's fantastic and now he's doing really really well and actually the soundtrack was I think in the top 10 on the soundtracks for films or something. It was on that, yeah. So it just shows you it's it's just about finding the right people and and looking. They are out there. They have the passion and the drive as as we all do and I'm sure people listening do. Yeah, absolutely. And then working with them and doing the next one uh, and moving forward. I think think there's some, someone mentioned this the other day, there's always that worry is that people think oh you can only do low budget it's like so it's it's sometimes you just got to go no no it's not what we can only do it's we also do this if you want to give us more money we can you know bring more people yeah, on definitely it's a know. sliding scale of, of, of course it work is. yeah you know okay, i a little bit of advice for filmmakers out there who want to go out and make their first feature now anything especially especially a period film with you know lancaster bombers and you know spitfires don't do uh, it no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm joking i'm joking I would say don't do it. It's it's one of those things. It's it's to be a be willing to compromise. So we had to compromise big time at, at first, and don't let someone say no. You can't do it. Go for it. Like find a way. Build it yourself. If you have to do the sound design, do the sound design. If you have to do all the scheduling, and it's just in the end, just be ends up being you, a sound guy, and a camera operator. Do it. There's a, you can find a way. Mm. You don't have to have twenty people working for you on the set you can go out and make a film with five of you and those five guys will give you the same amount of passion that the a crew of 20 would yeah. because they want to, they want to work and they want to, they want to be in, in working a film. Um, so yeah, I'd say find a way. That's the only way. Cause we find found a way. Cause that's yeah. how we, we found a way. We kept plodding on and didn't say it take no for an answer. It's a great answer, Sam. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of echo that just that there are, so many people who quit because they're not getting the work and, and perhaps they can't because they have to get other jobs because they can't afford to live, et cetera, et cetera. And I think we're all in that similar stage here as well, where we have other jobs that are supplementing what we want to do because we're not at the next stage yet. Um, but it's, it's a waiting game. You have to be patient. You know, I, I, I naively thought when I came out of film school that I would be shooting big, commercials mm-hmm. and music videos and and films and all that kind of stuff and it's taken me a while or it took me a while to realize actually that does not happen mm. um and you just have to 
wait the longest because people will fall out of the race. You That's know? true. Yeah. And, and yeah, ultimately, yeah. if you're the guy at the end going, oh, I can do that, you'll get a job, um, which is kind of what's happening at the moment. So, cool. yeah, just hang in there, really. Cool. Chris, anything from your side? No, just um, one thing I would say is, is network. Something I've only really started in the last sort of two years, sort of waiting around for auditions and things. It's just really, really, really push. Really, not, I'm not the best at it, but try and connect on Twitter. Uh, try and connect on um, Instagram, Facebook. Make sure you're going to classes as an actor. You know, you come out of drama school, you think you're done. And mm-hmm. Actually, you, you're not at all done. I'm just starting. Because yeah. then you meet people and, and then, you know, make friends like I have here with these guys. And then, you know, if me and Sam are having a, not a bad day, but like a moment where you mentally feel like, oh, it's too much. I normally pick him up or he'll pick me up. Mm. And then you both sort of inspire each other a little bit to kind of drive on. And I guess also really have the realization that nobody's making me do this. So if you do have a bad day, I've got a real understanding now as I'm older, I guess. No one's got a gun against my head. No one's saying you have to be an actor. I've chosen that. So mm. put a smile on because it's much easier that way for the day. Yeah. And um, just go out there be good have energy and passion and I, I do believe it will get there and I do believe those are the people that will win it's not always the most talented it is the people that have a passion and work the hardest I love that and that's actually how we met through networking at the Make Your Film event and came up said hello and suddenly we're connected so it's it's really important um, boys this has been so much fun and so yeah, insightful and honestly it's an inspiration for people out there so thank you very much where can people find the film where can people find you guys online uh, so the film is out uh, on DVD, Blu-ray, and digitally on all, all the kind of major platforms across the world. As far as uh, know. it's uh, it's in some places. It's kind of slowly coming out in other countries. It's out in South Korea. If anyone's listening in South Korea, I think uh, we have a few. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's coming out in like uh, Germany, France. Australia, New Zealand, and Italy. Um, but I'm not sure exactly when they're out. But it's out in the UK, yeah, the United States later in the year. But it's out, yes, it's here, and you can go see it in Tesco, which is Great. quite fun. That's fun, yeah. Which is Lancaster Skies. You can just search it. You, you'll find loads yeah, of information yeah, yeah. on it as well. Um, where can people follow you on uh, socials, on Twitters? Yeah, we're on Twitter, Facebook, uh, website. Tin Productions. Yeah, Tin uh, our website's got our contact details and stuff on there um, and a couple of our short films also on there actually yeah is it Lancaster Skies on Twitter or? it'll be it'll be at Lancaster Skies at I think Lancaster Skies. I'm sure that's all it is at Lancaster Skies Chris where can people follow you yeah I guess Twitter and Instagram it's just uh, Chris Sadler um, Sadler with two D's there you go that's it uh, <laughs> quite, quite, quite easy I guess I got in there early so, yeah, yeah. yeah um, and you can follow me at Giles Alderson. You can follow the podcast at Filmmakers Pod. If you want to go our whole back catalogue of how to make movies, there's nearly 115 of them now. Um, go to filmmakerspodcast.com where you'll find them all with some brilliant people, just as today's episode has been. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you very much. This has been the Lancaster Skies team. You've been listening to the Filmmakers Podcast. Until next time, keep making your film. And we will see you next Tuesday, as always. Bye. Bye. See ya. Brilliant, boys. Awesome. Awesome indeed. Thanks very much. Very good. Thank you.